Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Thank you, Brother Nathan, for your prayer this morning. Today we are continuing in our sermon series in the book of Ephesians, and we have titled our series, uh, One with Christ and One one with Another. And it is so good for us just to continue in this book. This book is actually something that I've read before. Actually, it was the very first book that I studied when I was in seminary. And it's, it's really refreshing to, to redo this book as we learn about God's grace toward us, his love to us. Amen? So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. Today we are reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down the flesh in dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance, that he might create in himself one new man. In place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father, so then that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole scripture being joined together grows into a holy temple into the Lord. In him you also are built together, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You may be seated. So far in this chapter, Paul has explained to us how salvation is accomplished. It is accomplished on the basis of grace 
through faith. Good works, human efforts, and our best intentions will never be enough to earn salvation. Every one of us is marked by sin, both deliberate and accidental. And for this reason, we deserve to be separated from God. It is only through his mercy and his grace that we can be saved. There is no room for bragging. This means that we all are saved and we become one. Both Jews and Gentiles, as we're going to see today, are part of God's spiritual family. So Paul has taught us that so far, that basically uh, that, that we can do nothing on our own to to earn our salvation. None of our human efforts will add up to enough for us to be able to earn our salvation. So today, we're going to, uh, in this passage that was read, Paul is going to explain to us, again, that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that we are now one family. The, the Gentiles who were seen as unclean and inferior now have hope, they have promise, they have a relationship with God, and, and what we realize today, both Jews and Gentiles were all unworthy and are saved by the same kindness of God's love. Isn't that good news? Yes, Amen. All of us are saved by God's kindness and his love toward us. So Paul, when he starts out in verse number 11, he is reminding the Gentiles of their former state, how, how they were. When he was talking to this church, he was letting them know what condition they were in. Now, oftentimes, we, we get delivered from something and we forget that which we have been delivered from. Every now and then, you don't have to live there, but you ought to look back yes. on where God has brought you from. Yes. You don't have to live there anymore, but you ought to be able to say See what God has done in your life, how he's made a way out of no way, how he was providing the whole time for you when you wasn't thinking about him. God has been faithful to us when we have been unfaithful to him. Can I get one witness in this place? We have been unfaithful, but God has always remained faithful. So Paul now is telling them what state they were in. Look what he says first. He says, you were separated from Christ. You were separated from him. That means that you were excluded from the community in which God was coming to redeem. We were excluded. We were outside of that. And see, when it says Gentiles, that's us. That's you and I. Uh, The Jews had a promise from God. Those outside of the commonwealth of Israel were not privileged to the promise that God had promised to the people, to to his Jewish people. So, us as Gentiles were on the outside. We were unclean. We were inferior folk. Amen. We needed somebody to come in and redeem us because we were unable to redeem ourselves. So we were separated from Christ. There was no hope for us. We were lost when we were separated from Christ. So being separated from him, we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Israel as a nation, they enjoyed a special relationship with God. Listen, those outside didn't have that same special relationship. And I want, I want you to be, uh, hear me very clear. It wasn't because they were so good. It was because he loved them. He chose them. Yeah. They did not choose him. 
Just like we did not choose him, he chose us. When did he choose us? From the foundation of the world. Amen. Man, when I look around and I see the new family of God, there are folk in the family, man. We didn't choose ourselves. God chose us. He chose us to be part of his family. No, they were separated from Christ. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers to the promises of God. The children of Israel had a problem. God gave Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They had promises. So if you're not connected to them, you couldn't be a beneficiary of the promise. Amen? Aren't you glad for Jesus today? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And so not only are they separated from Christ, they're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, they're strangers to the promise of God. Listen to this. They are without hope. That's something, y'all. That's a bad place to be without hope. Without hope. They, they, they're, they're, hope is where the favor of God is. They were outside of hope. They were they, they, they did not have the favor of God on their lives. But Jesus came. Amen. He came, brothers and sisters. We had favor on our life when we didn't know we had favor on our life. But after Jesus came. Then it says this, and they had no God. They had no one to care for them. They had no one to look after them. What does it mean to be without hope and, 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 and have no God. It means that there's no hope for redemption. There's no hope in judgment. There's no hope in eternal life. Hey, man, they were in a bad state, y'all. Just like us. We were in a bad situation. We had no hope. There was no hope for us in eternal life, except for fire. Mm. Hell is hot is real. It's real. So here it is. They were without hope, separated from God, strangers to the promises of God. Isn't that something, y'all? Whereas 11 and 12 tells us the true state that the Gentiles once were in, and us who are reading this letter that we once was there, consider yourself, we are Gentiles, so don't, 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 yeah, don't, don't think you better. You are Gentiles. We are, we, we, not you, we. It's by the grace of God that we have been redeemed, that he sent Jesus to die. So as we look at this, man, we look at this scripture, look at 13. 13 begins to tell us that. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off, were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we got to understand that when Paul is actually writing this, he's writing to, to people who will understand what he's talking about. The Jewish people have been sent away in exile. The majority of them have been sent away to exile, and there was a small remnant that had remained there. So those folk, there are folk that were far away in another country, and then there was folk that was near. So the people that were far away, 
uh, have been brought far and near, have heard the gospel. The blood of Jesus has made a difference in their life. Isn't that good, y'all? I know for me, the blood of Jesus has made a difference in my life. If it had not been for the blood, are y'all following me? The blood still works. That's good news. The blood still works. So it's because of the blood of Christ that we can now draw near to God. It is because of the blood of Christ that we are not the same as we used to be. It is because the blood of Christ, because of the blood of Christ, we are now changed. Amen? If I was somewhere else, I would say this is a good time to shout. Amen? This is a good time to stand to your feet and get your dance on because you ain't what you used to be. And it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's because the blood of Jesus Christ. Look, look what has happened. It says this. Let's keep reading. It says this. For he himself is our peace and has made us one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing walls of hostility. So he, our peace, I want to look at the words in these next few scriptures that I'm going to read. I'm just going to pick out one word, peace made and abolished. So when we think of peace, we automatically, in our natural mind, think of uh, life without conflict. Life without conflict. But the peace that is talk, that's being spoken about here is shalom. And shalom is concerned about the whole thing. Our whole life. As a matter of fact, if truth be told, shalom is always closely connected to conflict. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conflict is happening. In order for you to experience peace, shalom, you have to have God on the inside of you. When he's on the inside of you, there could be chaos all around you. But you can have peace. You can have shalom in the midst of conflict. Amen? So so shalom is so much bigger than than everything being right in our life. Amen? Shalom is about everything that the whole, our entire, our well-being, the wholeness of what's going on around us. So he became our peace. He is our shalom. He is concerned with us all, the fullness of what's going on in our life. Hello? That is good. He is our peace. Then it says this. He, he says, for he is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in the flesh, the dividing walls of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. So when he makes this peace, he is making us, listen to this, one. The Jews and the Gentiles become one. No more are are. The, the, the children, no more 
is circumcision the mark of being in Christ? No more is the mark of circumcision the only way to tell that, that we are connected to God. Amen. Because circumcision left out half the population of people. Hello? It left out women. So circumcision came, and it's no more the circumcision of the flesh, but it's the circumcision of the heart. He came and he made peace for everything that comes between the Jews and the Gentiles, anything that came in between to divide them, Christ came and overcame it all. He came and he overcame anything that might possibly cause division among his people because he was making one new man. Isn't that good? To know that he came and he preached the gospel, the gospel of peace for the people that was far away and the people that was near, the Jews and the Gentiles. He is the same God that broke down the, the, the wall that divided heaven and earth. And listen, it's the same Christ who did that. That is our Christ. He is our peace. That is good to know that the Christ who died on the cross is our peace. His blood provides the peace that we need. His blood. His blood makes us one. That's good. It's his blood. It covers us all. When God looks at us, he don't see me. He sees the blood. blood. He sees the blood that covers us. He making one new man. Now, how how did he do that? He abolished the law. So let's let's talk about that. We've heard this before. Christ didn't come to, to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. How did he fulfill the law? He made it inoperable. He took away the law's power. He took away any power that the law had because, y'all, me, you, or anybody else could not keep the law. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. We could not depend on the law for salvation. So Christ came and did away with the law. He rendered it useless. Hello? Because we couldn't keep it. I, 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 I get happy when I think about how he looked out for me. He knew that I could not keep the law. He knew that you couldn't keep the law. So he came and he did away with the law. And doing away with the law, he made peace for us. And he created one new family. When he was abolishing the law, he was taking on everything that might come up. To, to cause us to be divided. He took all that away. He took it away, and all we can say is that we got Jesus. All we can say in common is that we need Jesus. All we can say is in common that if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be lost. We all got that in common. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care what kind of car you drive. If you don't know Jesus, you are lost. There's a song that says, I'm living my best life. Y'all ever heard that song? I want you to know that if you are living your best life now, you are, of all people, most miserable. 
Hello? The best life is the life to come. That's the best life for the believer is the life to come. Yes, we can have some good times on this side when we know him. But the best life is the life to come. We sang that song with heart. I'm living my best life. (laughs) Just confused. You just confused. That's all. (laughs) Because the best life is yet to come. Man, that's that's good stuff. (laughs) It's yet to come. So he's our peace. He has abolished the law. And so when he abolished the law, he brought us into his family. When he brought us into his family, we became this, this uncommon family. We say that's, that's in our church, in, in our vision plan, and our mission. We are uncommon family. Why? Because you got that person and that person, and all these people are coming together, and we become God's family, uncommon. Look at me, man. I'm up here talking to folk. I'm up here talking to y'all, and I get to go to people's houses. It's because God did it. God caused that to happen. I, I'm sitting at places that I will never be able to sit. I'm doing things that I will never be able to do, except for God putting me in his family. And when he put me in his family, he connected me with other brothers and sisters. God is awesome, and he knows what he is doing. It's because I'm in God's family that I've crossed paths with people that I would have never crossed paths with. Because I'm in his family. You got a chance to meet me. <laughs> because you're in his family. Amen. So the church is not a collection of individuals. Who are, who are here to do their own thing. The church, listen to me, is a community of reconciled people. The church is a community of reconciled people, people who are lost, people who couldn't save themselves, people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. People who have laid aside all their differences, rather big or small, The church is a community. God has brought us together. So when when God was taking care of us, when he was abolishing the law, and when he was becoming our peace, he took on all our enemies. Anything that might come against us, God took care of it all. So guess what the church should be doing? The church should be making peace with those that are outside the church. We should be looking for ways to make peace peace with those who are our enemies. We should be looking to how for us to be the church. We ought not be satisfied with just us. Hello? God got folk that's outside of these four walls. God got folk that don't even know him yet, that have not received him into his heart. The church has a responsibility to shine the light, to shine it bright, not because we think we're anything, but we know from which we've come. We know that it's because of his grace. So we ought to shine the light. We ought to stand on every corner. We ought to tell men and women that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
We ought to be telling folk that God rescued me. I was a wretch undone. I was unworthy of his love. We ought to tell people that. We ought to say, man, we all in the same family. God, God is in the business of creating a whole new family. The, hey, listen, the church, the church, there's always room at the church. Listen to me. There's always room in the church. That means God's family is growing. There's always room at the cross. You ever, you ever been somewhere uh, when the Jags were uh, playing the playoff game? They were playing the Chargers. They were playing the Chargers down at the stadium. And, and when we were getting ready to go in, people were everywhere. We were all bunched up like this trying to wait to get in the game. People were all in my space. When I got to my seat, the person was sitting next to me. She was leaning over into my face. I, I was, my mind was going places. Why don't this lady get off of me? Sonya on one side, she on the other side. I'm aggravated. But at the cross, hey, don't know nobody get in my space. There's your own space at the cross. Amen. There's room for you at the cross. You don't have to squeeze in there. When they opened the gates, folks were squeezing and cutting people off, trying to get to their seat. But at the cross, there's room for you at the cross. Amen. That's good stuff, y'all. You ain't got to fight nobody. That's your space. It has your name on it. The blood. It don't run out. It don't run out. Listen, there's enough blood for you. It can cover you. It can cover you. I remember as a kid, we played, we watched Cowboys and Indian one time, and, and we saw that the Indian cut his finger, and he cut his finger, and he wanted to be blood brothers with the cowboy. So he cut his finger, and, and, and the cowboy cut his finger, and they mixed their blood together. Y'all ever seen that? They, they mixed their blood together. And me and my next-door neighbor, we wanted to be blood brothers. So he cut his finger, and I cut my finger, and we mixed. My mama lost her mind. What are y'all doing? Stop it. Listen, we don't have to do that to be in the family of God. We don't have to cut each other. We don't. We listen. The, the blood covers us. His blood does the work that needs to be done. Thank you, Jesus. His blood does it. So the church is not a community of individuals wanting their way. The church is a whole new family that has been brought together by Christ to do the work that he calls us to do. We, we heard it last week that we are his good work. So we are his workmanship created to do his good work. So y'all following me? So that's what we're here for. It's not our thing. It's his thing. That means I don't get my way. You don't get your way. His way is the only way that matters. Hello, I used to say this thing and somebody brought it to my attention quickly. I would say, okay, so there's people here on the left and there's people here on the right. And we were talking about songs. We were talking about, you know, some people like different songs in church. And I'm like, so I think 
there's some songs that are over here and there's some songs that are over here, but I think God is somewhere in the middle. And this is where God wants us. This is the style of worship that God wants. He don't want us over here. He don't want us over here, but he wants what's in the middle. And to me, that sounded so great. I thought I had thought of something, you know? And I was happy about it until he was like, no, you got that wrong, brother. You got that wrong. You over here, they over here, but God is up here. Hello? What we try to do is we try to put God here. God ain't here, God not here. He's here. Not my way, not your way, his way. Y'all following me today? We, we, listen, it's not about me having my way. It's about us being and doing God's good work. So what he said is he's making a new place into, he's making a new place for a, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what has happened is God is creating this new, this new family. And Christ is the cornerstone of that new family. Y'all get it? The cornerstone is what holds everything together. See, we, we are we're looking at the foundation, but it's the cornerstone that keeps it together. He said, built on the foundations of the prophet and the apostles. What the prophet and apostles gave us was the word of God. So the word of God is there, but Christ is the cornerstone. He holds everything together. So when it looks like the gates of hell are prevailing against the church, it only looks that way because they cannot win. The gates of hell will not win. Why? Because Christ is the cornerstone. And guess what? Christ has already defeated our enemy. Hello, we, we are living this life looking in the rearview mirror because we're going that way. Christ has already defeated everything behind us. Christ has already defeated everything in front of us. Christ has already won the battle. That is good. So, brothers and sisters, as a family, we don't have to fight with one another. We look to him. We look to him for deliverance. We look to him for what we need. So, before him, we were separated. Before him, we were lost, but because of him, we are one new family. Good news. Good news. Good news. I got brothers and sisters that got different skin tone than I do. It's good. That is good. I, 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 I introduced my brother-in-law. That's Raise your hand for me there. That's, that's my brother-in-law. And he's married to my wife's sister. So I said to him, I said to somebody, go tell my brother X, Y, and Z, because we don't really say law. We just call each other brothers and sisters. And so they said, your, your brother, yeah, yeah, him. Him. That one that don't look like he belongs in the family. Guess what? He is in the family. And so when we look around at one another, mm, 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 guess what? We're all in the same family. Because God is our Father. He has put us together. He has 
made us one. Salvation is not of us. It's of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that your home is permanently under construction. We thank you, God, that Christ is the cornerstone. He's the first rock that was laid, God. We thank you that as a family, we are being held together by you. We are no longer separated from you. We are no longer alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. God, we are no longer strangers to the promises. God, we are no longer people who are without hope, for you are our God. You are our way maker, God. You have provided for us, and God, we are so thankful. So, Father, I pray that as we are your family, God, that we will always be mindful that none of us are better than the other. All of us ought to love one another, God, because all of us are the beneficiaries of your grace. So, Father, as we live this life, help us, God, to be living examples, not just to one another, but to to people who don't know you as their Savior. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.